Welcome, Guardians, to the Vexgiving Lorecast. I am Anon Pig, and with us this week we have our usual hosts, Mythos Mike and Purple Chimera. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing very well, thank you, Chimera. How are you, uh, Piggy? I'm I'm good. And uh, we also have with us our special guest, Jay from uh, the DTR podcast and website. Jay, how are you? Hey uh, guys, where can we I'm... find you, and what do you do in the community? Sorry. Yeah, sure. Oh no, this is all right. So, hey guys, I'm Jay from Destiny Tracker. I host their weekly podcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, live on Twitch. And the audio version of the show is usually uploaded right after the live recording. You guys can find us on iTunes, Podbean, and the Google Play Store at Destiny Tracker Podcast. And that's basically what I do. That's awesome. Uh, so then this week we'll be talking about the Ishtar Collective and their encounters with a very special Vex. So uh, normally here we would have a weekly highlight. Uh, weekly highlights will vary with each episode. They can include community stories, fan fiction, gear and weapon text, grimoire, general hype, etc. This week's weekly highlight is some things fellow Guardians are thankful for. But there's quite a list, so we'll get that get to that after the lore. Let's begin with the main topic on the Ishtar Collective. Who wants to uh, get us started here? Not the Ishtar Collective website. <laughs> the actual no. Ishtar Collective. You had to slide that in there, didn't you? I actually <laughs> got several questions about that like an hour ago, so I thought I felt like <laughs> I needed to clarify. <laughs> You're just talking there. about your website? What was that, on Twitter? Yeah, I, I mean, and people were like, hey, what's the topic? And I was like, oh, it's Ishtar Collective. And they're like, oh, you're talking about your website? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like the actual Ishtar Collective in the game. It's it a thing. A place in the game. It's we're not just we're a making website. a reference. <laughs> anyway. Well, you since, uh, since you're very enthusiastic about this, how about you start it off, Chimera? Sure. So the Ishtar Collective, it all began in the Golden Age. Long, long ago, on a once acidic planet, a foundation was formed known as the Ishtar Academy. It was named thus due to its location in the Ishtar Sink. So the Ishtar Collective card is a quote from Cade 6, and it says, The Vex have us all worried. Terrible things are stirring behind ve beneath Venus. But what you've discovered gives us hope that we can stop them. Just be careful when you make deals with the Awoken, would you? The Queen always collects. That's the um, Ishtar Collective mission and not the actual oh. group. So, future reference in that with that card. Um, Next, the next thing we're going to talk about is the region on Venus where um, the Ishtar Collective conducted their research. Now, the Ishtar Sink um, card reads as follows. The Ishtar Sink region looms large in our surviving knowledge of Venus. Guardians come hunting the ruins of the legendary Ishtar Collective, a sprawling Golden Age scientific project. But the ancient ruins that brought the Collective to the Sink have awakened again. We aren't the only ones interested in the Collective. The Fallen House of Winter has hurled its assets into pillaging the ruins, hunting for some advantage, whether from the Golden Age or, for, or forgotten times beyond. The House of Winter's presence includes constant skiff overflights in support of ground teams and hints of an improvised command post or staging area in the volcanic cinders. The situation is degrading into a race against time. We must claim the collective, ruin, the collective ruins for our own and hope they will warn us what other threats now rise from Venus's acid seas and ancient stone. 
It is here in the Ishtar Sink that some of the greatest minds came together of the Golden Age, solving the solving the puzzles of the universe, except for that box. What is Which the is? Uh, yeah, the other box. Yeah, that was that was the intro to my card. Oh, mm-hmm. crap, was that me? No, that wasn't me. Okay, sorry, I thought I dropped out there. <clears throat> that was the intro to uh, to my card, Ghost Fragment Ishtar Sink. <clears throat> the box appears to be copper. The red lid is dented, one hinge shattered. Inside waits a small quantity of the finest, driest powder, more brown than gray, more blue than green. The greatest minds in creation make quick work of the material. The powder is weighed by the grain and studied close and remembered. 100 billion bits of near nothing reside inside the copper box, all of them tiny and near spherical, all etched with the outlines of continents and islands and ice caps. Each sphere represents a planet, and some of these tiny globes match known worlds. There is one Earth and one Mars and one Venus, too. The box holds renderings of each habitable world in the galaxy. One of them offers a simple explanation. The box is a message. The message is the minuscule nature of the box's cargo. It's the image of 100 billion worlds barely filling two hands. But if so, who is delivering the message? What vastness do they wish to impress on us? Is it a warning or an invitation or a taunt? That's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> it's still not really answered. Like, uh, excuse me. Um, the only really thing associated with Venus is the Vex. And this isn't a very Vex thing. You know, it's sort of unvex really mm-hmm. they don't they don't ask us questions they don't taunt us they don't invite us they aren't warning us about anything you know they're very we're just going to do our thing and if you get in our way we're going to take you out of it so this it's, is a curious thing to think of it, it obviously makes it appear that it's um the first part is like the powder not wrong part uh now I have to find it. There's one Earth and one Mars and Venus too, and then it mentions Mars as well. Um, it, obviously, there's we haven't really talked about this too much, but obviously the uh, portion of the lore thinks some people in the lore community think that um, the Vex might already have a presence on Earth as well. Um, they already have a presence on Mars. They already have a presence on Venus. They've already conquered the entirety of Mercury. So it, it's just... Uh, made me think a little bit about the Vex just because they uh, have a presence on, at least assumed presence on every world in the solar system. And this seems to say that this box, this powder from the box holds a uh, portion from every planet then uh, in the system. So just made me think of that at the very minimum. The Vex well, it's not a, it's not a any... portion. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Vex aren't on any planet that the Hive are on. Yet. So, well, would that mean they're not on the moon either or Earth then? Because if the hive is on Earth, then, right? Right. We have not encountered Vex on Earth or on the moon. Uh, Well, Well, just because we haven't. uh, Oh, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's the map Cauldron. There's actually a dead Vex on that map. I don't. I or. Right. Or am I there, just... there are dead cabal, and there are skiffs, and there are earth uh, oh, vehicles. Okay. 
I'm not entirely sure if there's I know, a Vex. I, I, I think there is a map on Earth or on the moon, or I probably just, I don't know, <laughs> about there's a dead Vex. I know on uh, Cauldron there is a dead Vandal, which is oh, falling I out probably, of... Uh... I probably thought that was a Vex then. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all the way in the uh, the dreadnought, but uh, I'm pretty sure I re- I don't I don't know why I I do recall something saying how the Vex were in some form on Earth like how they're they they have structures buried beneath the surface. It's just more that we haven't discovered them yet. Mm-hmm. As for the moon, um, I don't think that the Vex could have had anything in there that the hive wouldn't have already taken care of considering their their past relationship yeah that's it's just true interesting because we have most planets have more than one race on them but we mm. never have one that pairs up the vex and the hive and it brings up a lot of questions when you read the books of sorrow like what that's a good point. that history is and why they aren't like fighting each other for territory or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and I guess the next one. <clears throat> this wasn't the only group of great minds who worked on Venus, however. There was also a Clovis Bray facility, uh, the Card Asylum. There used to be life here. Now it's just overgrowth. Area designation Asylum. Location, Ishtar Sink, Venus. Before the collapse, this would have been just another stop on the subway line between Clovis Bray's Venus Arcology headquarters and the Academy campus by the shore. Now it's a grimmer reminder of the lives, the dreams, and the progress we lost when the darkness came. For the Guardians of the Crucible, it's a place to sharpen their blades in the shadow of the Vex, an enemy who knows no such sentimentality. I just want to... um... The uh, <clears throat> the card here mentions Arcology, the uh, Clovis Bray's Arcology Center. just want to define that for listeners. Arcology is defined as a concept in which the ideal city is a massive vertical structure, which perseveres more of the natural environment, uh, a concept combining architecture and ecology. So it basically, um, for those of you who might be familiar, there's plans in certain cities where uh, high-rises are going to be turned into, like, uh, vertical farm, so to speak. Um, obviously, it's easier to get sunlight at certain altitudes, so the higher you go, it might be easier to grow crops is the uh, um, is the hypothesis. So uh, this is what um, uh, Columbus Bray was studying on Venus at this time. Hmm. Just something interesting to point out. So it was. There is a link, at least uh, through OTL, the uh, off-world transit lines, um, that maybe these two groups work together in some fashion, or perhaps it was just linking the two, so certain groups could uh, transfer back and forth on through the Ishtar sink. I don't think mm. that question will ever be answered. I can't imagine that they wouldn't work together, on some capacity. Like obviously, not every thing is going to be worked on together but they they must have shared ideas in some case i think is it is it safe to say that clovis bray was a bigger company in terms of their both their discoveries and also just the tech that they produced than the uh, collective 
Clovis Bray was actually like a design shop. Like they they were making mm-hmm. things. The Ishtar Collective just seems to be studying things. So That's, it's sort yeah. of like Ishtar says, "Look what we found," and Clovis goes, "Look what we built." Mm. I agree. So they, I don't think they were really compete competing with each other. Like there's no reason for them to say, like we can't work with Clovis because there are competitors in building this new device. It's just, they're taking what we've discovered and making things like, why Mm -hmm. not work together? The only reason I brought it up was because of one of the lines that we'll get to later where uh, Dr. Shin says at the end of one of the cards, um, I should have taken that job at Clovis Bray. Mm. Um, So it just made me think of that when I, when I first read this card, but I I like the point that you said. Let's move Mm -hmm. on. Jay, uh, do you want to read here? Oh, yep, sure. Okay, so last last exit Ishtar Sink Venus. Arena designation last exit. Location Ishtar Sink Venus. <clears throat> the Red Jack fire team that discovered this ancient transit stop could detect no sign of a recent struggle in the area, despite the heavy damage the facility had sustained. The Red Jack Alpha reported that station operating modules were stuck in a protocol dubbed Last Exit. It seems passengers from the nearby collective were trying to escape some some overwhelming force. It appears that most did not succeed. Succeed. Today, the desolate station is home to the war games of the crucible and should the threat that destroyed this place return the guardians will be ready but what could it have been that they fled from the darkness (laughs) but uh what is the dark that is true what is the darkness i don't think the darkness got that close to us because that would have actually bypassed earth Mm, well true but when you think of the universe it's endless so it's possible where you know the arm of when when you think of the uh, solar system it's not simply a line where you can drop in from uh you know you have to drop in at pluto basically and then go you know down the line to get all the way to earth it's i mean there's an infinite amount of space below earth there's an infinite amount of space above earth so it's you know you can come from any direction start Mm -hmm. at the sun start at mars start at the asteroid belt whatever it happens to be you don't does that make any sense faces no it, it does i'm just saying i just can't see it working into that situation personally because well, it it came to i'm saying i'm saying more <clears throat> that it came in from all directions and it hit the reef and it did not get past the reef so to to be further in than earth see this is where you and i well, disagree uh there's some people that think that uh, including me, that where the darkness made it all the way to Earth, but the traveler sacrificed itself and expelled it past to a certain point. And that's where I, I do remember the quote from Ghost at the beginning of Vanilla, where he says, uh, This is the last point the light touches when you make it to the reef. Um, but when I, when I heard, well, um, when I heard from like the original trailers and that kind of thing, 
uh, something hit us. It uh, it it basically hit told me that. Sorry, hit our system. Right. It, it hit the entire system. It hit Earth. It hit Venus. It hit uh, Mercury. It hit the Sun. I guess uh, it hit the inner planets, including um, it hit the inner planets, the terrestrial planets, even those inside the reef. That's what I took away from it. I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, we'll find out eventually, won't we? Um, I just want to say, like, what's your point of view on that? If you guys don't mind me asking, pick your point of view on what, like, what do you think happened if the darkness did not come to Earth? I'm just curious. Do you mean in general or on in the terms of this well, card? What were they running from? <clears throat> In the terms of this card, because Mike said that the darkness, which I agree with, um, did come to Earth, but it, but the traveler was like, "No, leave," or like something to that extent, and sacrificed itself. So, right. uh, yeah. Well, I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's pretty obvious they were running from the Vex. The question is, what made the Vex so instantly a threat? And uh, I, I have an opinion on that. It's it's a, it's it's like a stupid stupid spin foil uh, theory on that, though. Um, the garden, and it's uh, it's essentially all based around the garden. Uh, the garden is said to grow in both directions, forwards and backwards, meaning it doesn't flow in one direction of time it goes backwards as well so i don't think that you can ever exactly enter the garden at the same point in time twice or you'll never always go like if you enter it on a monday it doesn't mean the next if you enter it tomorrow it'll be tuesday it, it might be saturday it might be like two days ago so you actually entered it before you've originally entered you know like that type of thing and um, it all revolves around when did uh, Crota exactly cut into the Vex universe and what was the Vex universe? In my opinion, the Vex universe were the locations that the Vex um, – uh, what's the word? Sort of like cut from the universe itself because like how they said uh, – in the card we're actually going to get to later on, it says like – gate lords protect the the periods of time that they keep locked away or something along those lines i believe that's what the vex universe was it's it is our universe it's just bits and pieces that they've cut out and called for their own the black garden being a perfect example of that mm. and it was from that point that the 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 fighting with oryx and the hive that the vex uh took a worm and took essentially the darkness and they learned from it. And in my opinion, they created the, the black heart, a form of a Vex made darkness. So with the garden growing forwards and backwards, when the Vex created, and this, this is where it sort of gets a little trippy. When the Vex dealt with Oryx in our universe, it was millennia ago. Like it was an un unknown amount of time long ago and almost an impossible amount of time long ago. But when they step from Oryx's throne world into the garden to create the black heart, we, it is now 
in line with our current time just before the collapse. And they create the black heart. They go mad with that power. They start, they start uh, getting this, this new protocol into their systems where they're not supposed to do this. They're supposed to do that. They're supposed to destroy the darkness. Uh, there's the card. There's the step in the, um, you really caught me off guard on this. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just had a question. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know too much minutes more about this. So yeah. I just, yeah. It's in the uh, the No Time to Explain uh, quest where it, it, I think it's talking about a um, the step where you have to kill a taken Minotaur. And it says how it says what their process is when they're taken. Their process becomes destroyed. <laughs> Their process becomes destroy light. Uh, so that's what I'm. That's what I think. It was this crazy wonky timeline that the Vex have created. <laughs> Perfect stormed into the time of the collapse with their new directive being destroy light, which became destroy the people who are in league with the Traveler. So the Ishtar uh, collective in this case <clears throat> um, were the people that the Vex attacked, and that's who they were fleeing from. That's just right. my crazy yeah. spin foil opinion. <laughs> um, I could read the next card also, but just one more clarifying question. So mm -hmm. the black heart is not in the Traveler, because I always thought that somewhere down the line we're going to learn that we were actually inside the Traveler and not on mars or oh, okay <laughs> yeah i do not believe that is i i do not believe at this current point in the game it is inside the traveler uh, uh camara okay. are you back yes well, what what's your what's your thought on that um well i don't know i don't think there's evidence that you do go inside the traveler when you go back Black Arden, I'm pretty sure you're not on Mars. Not anymore, um, at least. Yeah, like, you, the gate into the Black Garden is on Mars, but that doesn't mean the Black Garden is on Mars, if that makes sense. Well, it is yeah. after you destroy the Black Heart. That's 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 where it really gets trippy, because that's what I mean by cut away. They took this 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 physical location in our universe, and they cut it so cleanly away that it doesn't exist anymore. But when we severed that we put it back so that's that's where it gets trippy oh so that kind of like killed the traveler because i don't understand because i did not understand when i first played the game as to how this heart well controlling the traveler so i always thought that the heart was in the traveler or some type of form of the traveler no see that's that's it's just it was there is evidence. Uh, I could I could look for it after the show, so it's not just me yeah, searching yeah. on Ishtar for ten minutes of <laughs> what the what the black heart actually is, and it is that it actually is a a form of the darkness. So it was more that there was a form of the darkness being in such close proximity to the traveler that it was sort of like siphoning the power. In my opinion. Oh, all right. See, this needs to be explained in the game, but that's for a totally different conversation. I mean, they sort of, they sort of explain it. They're saying how well, destroying the black heart, the black heart is. They just don't explain why. Yeah, why? Yeah. 
All right. Um, you guys are ready to move on? Yeah, I'm ready. So then uh, the okay. next card, uh, Shores of Time. Um, you got that Shores one? of Time. Yep, sure. All power is humbled when weighed against the internal, eternal tide. Shores of Time. Location, Matt. Am I saying that right? Matt Mond? I believe so. V- Venus? Sure. All right. What's <laughs> about? The sulfur caves along the shores of time are now too unstable to be an effective base of operations for the Vex, but they still suit the purposes of the Crucible just fine. The region, which also houses the remains of one of the Ishtar Collective's many research stations, is a mix of geological chaos and the structured intent of ancient Vex machinery. The contrast between jagged, boiling terrain and the measured purpose of each Vex surface creates a unique battlefield, one where the planet itself seems to have risen up in defiance of the Vex intrusion. Ah, yes, the Vex. Well, let's get a, gr- let's get a brief crash course on them before we continue. So that is Shores of Time. That that last bit again was the the intro to the next section. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make that clear in the notes, pig. It is. There's a whole indent show difference, and we've been doing this for weeks now, guys. Jay, Jay's our you're guest. not the first person to do yeah. that, and you will not be the last person <laughs> no. to do that. Nope. Uh, I'm sorry. About I, can, that. I cannot make it more clear. I was just reading and just yeah. got into it. You're, you're the guest, so it's it's understandable that you don't see our format. But the fact that the other hosts still don't see our format, Mike, because Purple's never had an issue with it. The fact that Mike has an issue with it is upsetting. I am hereby announce my resignation from the uh, DLC podcast. It has been pleasure. <laughs> Thank and... God. It's about time. Wow. <laughs> Sounds almost serious. <laughs> I mean, like, if you leave, I'll just get my friend on. Jesus, pig. I'm just saying, I got a backup plan for everyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> what he's trying to say is he's trying to be a bad man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm Batman. <laughs> okay, so... Anyway, Ishtar. No. Shores of time. Oh, well, yeah, yes. Uh, the Undying Mind, though, just so everyone's caught up. Anyone? I'll Um, read it if no one else is going to read it. All right, sure. (laughs) Okay. The Undying Mind. We are starting to believe that time, or let me read the intro just so we're fully back on the flow. Ah, yes, the Vex. Well, let's get a brief crash course on them before we continue. The Undying Mind. We are starting to believe that the time is home to the Vex, and somewhere in those unmappable voids dwell their undying minds. Maya Sundaresh, Fragmented Entry, 10,938, the Ishtar Collective Archive. So, um, Real Ishtar Collective Archive. <laughs> not, not the one that you helped write. Not, not the one on the internet. <laughs> it might be also on the internet. If they have the internet in Destiny, I don't know. If the internet still exists there. That's a good question. Hmm. Well, I mean, we've already we've already said how Rahul is uh, using Rosetta Stone on his <laughs> chat. 
So. <laughs> yeah, but they out. obviously lost the, what was it, German? Yeah, I mean, some files got corrupted. <laughs> well, um, moving on, there's uh, some quotes for um, those that have played it through the uh, vanilla portion of Destiny. I've cut down uh, the transcript to just include the important parts here. Um, so this is from the Ishtar Collective mission where you kill a Cyclops and uh, attempt to use a Vex Mindcore to kind of research um, of weakness for the Vex and also just exactly what they are. Um, so um, the first line is, uh, this is, all of these are from Ghost. Um, so, uh, so the first person here is, uh, oh, I just went up a part of the page here. So their mind cores are actually biological, not relative to any known life forms recorded. Maybe the collective's research can tell us more. And then as you're, uh, you start going through the waking ruins uh, close to the um, vaults of glass, he, uh, he speaks again saying, these ruins predate humanity by, by a few billion years. Vex are coursing through them. Then you eventually arrive at a uh, Vex research state, or not a Vex research station, you start a collective research station at um, campus something. Which number is that? Anybody nine. remember the number? Nine. Campus, Campus nine. nine, thank you. Um, and then uh, you clear out, I think it's Fallen, um, and then Ghost says, nice work. There's got to be a central terminal around here. Found one. Let's see if I can get it to work. And then, uh, surprisingly, he says it's actually revivable. Even though you killed off the Vex, the uh, the mine core can actually be revived. I did find that interesting. First one through that mission. Um, I'll see what they, and then uh, he says, it's revivable. I'll see what they discovered here. And the Vex ambush you uh, through a couple of waves, and you have to defeat them. And then in the middle of one of the waves, Ghost says, the Vex share one mind across a million units. That's why they react. Uh, and then you finish up the mission, and uh, then you're done. And to not make it confusing at all, um, the general term for that is a hive mind. Mm -hmm. When a species can, like, is connected telepathically, for lack of a better word, across mm -hmm. all the members of their species but the hive that's... don't do that to our knowledge because that's not confusing at all thanks <laughs> i mean they sort of they 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 almost sort of do though don't they through not the tithing not Sorry. share a mind but sort of like it's almost like they all have biological walkie-talkies mm -hmm. <laughs> it's um the hive are very much like there's there's very the only the only instance we have of where the hive like actually like conflict each other is Alakul's um, uh, rebellion against Oryx. They're very much uh, unified in their uh, unified in their goals. Like uh, so, it, it's very. They almost operate like a hive mind. I, I like how you said that. They almost operate like a hive mind because they all share the same purpose. Um, well, that's because their founders. Well, the original hive, uh, the the three, they became the hive with a purpose. They bred with the purpose. Like, it's it's this indoctrinated. You were created for this purpose. So it's actually it's it's less less of a hive mind and more of just like you're born into a cult and you're just all waiting for the day to drink the Kool Aid. Mm -hmm. Right. The hive are connected to each other via tithing as mm -hmm. they go up the chain 
Yeah. Um, so they're all interconnected, but not in a psychological or not in a telepathic way. Well, I, I mean, like, effects are implied that's, what, to be. that's why I say like biological walkie talkies, where it's not that they share the mind, but it's that at any given point they can talk. They seem to be able to communicate with each other based on how they react. It seems like maybe it's, maybe it's by cutting off their tithing. Maybe they can just instantly feel that. And that's what it is. It's sort of like, it's sort of like they're uh, flatlining in a hospital bed. Like there's something that alerts a hive when another one is dying or has died or something like that. Just their reaction times are are curious in mm-hmm. my opinion. I like that. Point. I guess I can read this one as well. It's only one line. Um, moving on to uh, Eye of the Gate Lord, um, which is the final mission on Venus. Um, where you go to is this this is the uh, portion where you fight uh, Quodron, correct? Or not Quodron. Uh, uh, my bad. Gate Lord. I think Quodron was from the Prison of Elders. Prison right? of Elders. Yeah. It's it's just an unnamed Gate Lord. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Um, you fight the Gate Lord in order to get the uh, eye to uh, get access to the Black Garden, and Ghost says, "Here's what we have on Gate Lords: three stories tall, protect the realms the Vex keep locked out of time." Time that can't be right. That's that's the line I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. That's what they did to the Black Garden. That's what they've no doubt done to other things, and that's what I think the Vex universe actually is. It's not that they. It's not that the Vex came from a different universe. It's that they've cr- they've pulled bits of ours and made it their own. Like they've just got this void filled with bubbles of our universes. So. I'm- Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna ask a quick question, which I probably is gonna spark a huge talk or whatever. But where probably. did the Vex come from, really? Like, oh, God. did they? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I I don't know anything about the Vex, but if you ask me about Osiris or something, I would probably know. <laughs> uh, the origins I, I are yet to be known. There's really? an infinite number of uh, possibilities. Uh, did we make them in the future and then That's true. something happened? It could be that uh, if someone said like, if someone came up to me and said, I think that the Vex were units of the Traveler, they were like the architects of the Traveler and they would just go and they would build things for the Traveler. I'd be like, I can see that being the case. I could see that being what happened. And then Oryx came in or rather Crota came in and the Vex got corrupted and that's just what happened. And it's not that they were always this way. It's just, that's what became of them. Uh, just honestly, it's endless. Uh, what, are, what are your guys' uh, opinions on that? Like possibilities? Yeah, there are just so many options cause we just don't have a lot of information, which leaves a lot of room for speculation. Mm. I've heard theories that the Vex were created by Rasputin. Um, I've heard theories that they were created by somebody in the future and sent back to the past. Um, you know, we had the quote we read from Maya earlier that, um, about time being the home to the Vex, you know, I, that seems to be the strongest evidence base for me right now, because the Vex pull from the timeline where they win right to make their own path so Mm. they just go into whichever timeline where they meet an enemy and the 
Vex win and then they just use that timeline instead of the one where they lose uh, which is where we get the mission I can't remember um, Paradox Paradox mission where they let us back into the vault of glass because they couldn't find a timeline where they won so they needed a paracausal being to come in and create a timeline that they didn't have access to mm -hmm. um I do want to put out there, uh, <clears throat> Deej was on the Planet Destiny podcast about a year ago, um, and this was around the time that, um, I think this was about the week that uh, the King King's Fall Raid was released, and uh, he basically came on and said um, that, quote, the Vex are a liquefied race of people contained in this walking form, you know, this robotic form. And if you look at the mind core that you get during the Ishtar Collective mission, the, the mind core says, reads that um, basically the, the Vex, like the mind cores are made up of radiolaria. Um, radiolaria RA is a type of um, bacteria, marine bacteria. Um, so uh, hearing that the Vex are a liquefied race of people, I think it's very safe to say that each of these constructs, these goblins, these hobgoblins, uh, minotaurs, um, or someone's going to, I think I just butchered that pronunciation, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I can't <laughs> pronounce that. I'm sorry. Minotaur. Minotaur. Thank you. Uh, sorry, my Midwestern accent is coming there out. There are some full people that say evening. Minotaur. I mean, some, some people, people are wrong. Well, in the UK, people say Minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> so you can take that one up with Baxter. I will. I'll be sure to ask him when he comes on in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. That's, that's basically what I was trying to say is that uh, Deej came on on Planet Destiny podcast and basically said that the Vex are a liquefied race of people contained in a walking form, a robotic construct. Hmm. So out of all of the enemy races, would you guys say that the Vex are like the main enemy in the game? Absolutely like, not. No. Really? Actually, I'm just going to drop this here. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I have a theory here we go on no. who are the yeah. yes, right? <laughs> uh, i have a theory on who the main enemy in the game will be and that theory is hidden and i've started hiding its clues within this podcast because i'm an asshole like that so good luck finding it it'll 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 be a few weeks before you can actually find it maybe almost a year I should probably think of a better way to do this. But, <laughs> you know, like if you pay attention, like really close to the things I say at the beginning of the podcast, you know, maybe maybe you'll uh, you'll find uh, some clues. Hmm. Uh, just to clarify for any listeners uh, that are, happen to be a little bit confused. Uh, so am I. Uh, Chimera, are you, are you confused? Um, I just kind of right. go along with whatever Anan says. <laughs> yeah, in his own little world, and we just kind of let it happen. That's fair. So, just to clarify, everyone, this is completely un unknown to uh, either Chimera or I. This is just something that Pig is doing. I did not know about this until now. So, if someone has any theories, please let me know through DMs, and then I'll I'll make sure to show up Pig next time uh, we come on here. I'll tell you. Yeah. There's only been one clue drop so far, and there needs to be 
eight, maybe. I don't know, give or take. <laughs> All right, then. Mm -hmm. um, to go back to your question. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, guys. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, we don't really know. I don't think that at this time there is a main enemy. Aside from, like, the darkness, I guess you could say the darkness is the main enemy. Oh, duh. <laughs> um, but I do think it's interesting that the Vex, seem, it seems to be heavily implied that the Vex were peaceful race before they encountered the Hive. If you go to the Books of Sorrow... Um, it says, and I can't remember which which chapter it is now, but um, there was a line uh, when Quaria comes in that said, I'm trying to think. How it couldn't simulate Oryx? No, it was about how they encountered the hive and then the, um, and oh, the Quaria wait. created um, combat Vex. Huh. implying that there previous to that point there were no combat vex. Oh, well, uh just to quickly say since we're on this topic if you actually um <clears throat> excuse me, if you actually look at the the vex weapons, they aren't weapons. They're they're uh more construction. Thank you. That that was the word I was looking for. Uh what is found out at the same time. They're more like construction oriented. They don't they're not this will kill a guardian. It's just a nail gun will also kill someone if you shoot him in the face. That's that's sort of how they are. So I, I would absolutely agree that until the hive interaction that they, they were not combat oriented whatsoever. And actually a uh, little interesting <clears throat> bit that's, a, sh a similar theory to what someone said uh, I saw way back in year one about did I say it? I might have said it uh, way back in year one about the Fallen. Their weapons while they're not meant for uh, while they're not meant for construction, they're very actually, they're actually really bad weapons for combat. You have the, the slow moving pulse rifle things that are like really easy to dodge and then you have the stormtrooper dregs who can't shoot the broadside of a barn like the only good one is the sniper rifles and their cloaking shields with when they come at you with swords like that's that those are their only good but weapons don't we use their weapons because we use their dregs promise like Awful. that's what i know it, it's, <laughs> it's it's terrible we use uh, da, 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 da. Queen Breakers. Queen's Breakers, yeah. That's actually pretty good in a Crucible if that, you know how to get headshots. Yeah, it's, 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 it's gotten it's, good. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's up and down. And, and then, then Lord, of Lord of Wolves. I have to say, I've been wrecked by a captain. Is it a captain that use it? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. their uh, shrapnel wrecked. launcher. I've been yeah, that's, that's destroyed true. by that. Their shrapnel launcher, which it's it's sort of hard to be like, let's shoot shrapnel in a blast and not kill things. Like that's pretty hard to do. <laughs> but yeah, they're not very combat oriented either. The most and for for obvious reasons, the most combat oriented uh, race that we fight are the hive and the cabal. Really, the hive? Huh? Yeah, 
I would say the Cabal, even though we don't, because they're just so well, like, more so the Cabal. Yeah. But. Well, I think the difference is that the Cabal are outfitted, like they are a trained military that is outfitted yeah, with shields and weapons. Um, the Hive are more like wild animals, right? They're like mm. because they're feral. Yeah, they're feral. Yeah. They use their bodies, and some of them have oh. like. Gun boomer type guns like the knights have, but for the oh, most part, they just punch you or or claw at you or use magic of the wizards. The um, for reference, the card I was talking about is uh, the Books of Sorrow 39. Open your eye, um, is when the um, when Quoria comes in, um, and then they all just die. Because they didn't understand the sword logic, and then Quoria resolves the sword logic, and the gate begins to emit warrior vex. Huh. I. I, huh. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't specifically say that, like, Quoria made warrior vex for the first time, you know, but it seems to imply that to me anyway. Mm hmm. Mm. Interesting to note. That's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have another question, but would you guys like to move on first, and then I'll ask my question because that might spark another big conversation. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on a little bit first All before right. we get in another discussion. All right. Um, um <laughs> I I could read it. A stranger's call. All right. Yeah, so, a stranger's call. The Ishtar Collective. Study the Vex with all instruments and power of the Golden Age. And we must understand the Vex if we are to survive. They are the tales of the Black Garden and the darkness that lives at its heart. If this is where the Vex are born, then finding it is of the utmost importance. This is a quote from the speaker. Hmm, haven't heard his name in a while. <laughs> Yeah, the interesting yeah. about talking about the Vex is that they were our main enemies for the kind of vanilla story, and then yeah. we kind of forgot about them, except for Paradox, when we briefly went back into the vault. they kind of been MIA to, in the storyline, aside from a brief footnote in the Books of Sorrow. And uh, Restorative Mind of Strike. How yeah. about in the Taking King story? Because Oryx was able to take the Vex, right? Well, yeah, I, because Oryx I was can take anything that that's biological, and the Vex have mm -hmm. biological mo core. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, the if you look at the Vex, there's like the there's like a ball in the middle, and it has like this bluish liquidy stuff sloshing around, right. and that's the Radiolaria. That's a biological mind fluid is what it's called so in other words the juice box exactly okay there you go <laughs> that's why it's called that which is side note where you don't see any taken shanks because shanks aren't biological or that would just be annoying first taking yes. shanks wait, wait to take what your husband just said Oh, I wasn't looking. <laughs> Thank you, Ninja. Thanks, Ninja. 
Purple. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, no, uh before before we do get into the next part, uh, just for the <laughs> for for the sake of time and um, I feel like really convenience. The the next few cards are the vex the ghost revenue vex cards. I think we should just uh, save all the comments until we finish them. Just go through sure. them because these are sort of bigger cards, so we're not stopping at every one. We mm. go through them and then have the big discussion because these cards definitely will cause a bigger discussion. All right. So, how, do you want to go through all the way through like vex five? Or do yeah, you... all all the way to Vex five, and then we'll discuss them. Okay. Do you want to uh, start us off? Uh, per... Sure. Well, these first couple of cards are conversations. So, does someone else want to have this conversation with me? Sure, I can be Chioma. Okay. So, this is a conversation between Chioma Essay and Maya Senderesh, who are two of the members of the um, Ishtar Collective team. I'll make the indistinct sounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I am Chioma Essie. Maya, I need your help. I don't know how to fix this. What is it, Kioma? Sit. Tell me. I figured out what's happening inside the specimen. 12? The operational VEX platform? That's incredible. You must know what this means. Uh, so it's not good or you'd be on my side of the desk. And it's not urgent, or you'd have already evacuated the site, which means... I have a working interface with a special environment. I can see what it's thinking. In metaphorical terms, of course. The cognitive architectures are so... No, I don't need any kind of... Uh, my goodness. Uh, epistemology bridge. I've never heard are that. you telling me it's human? A human Merkwelt? Human qualia? I'm telling you, it's full of humans. It's thinking about us. About, oh no. It's simulating us, vividly, elaborately. It's running a spectacularly high-fidelity model of a collective research team studying a captive Vex entity. How deep does it go? Right now, the simulated Maya Sundarish is meeting with the simulated Chioma Essie to discuss an unexpected problem. There's no divergence? That's impossible. It doesn't have enough information. It inferred. It works from what it sees and infers the rest. I know that feels unlikely, but it obviously has capabilities we don't. Uh, it may have breached our shared virtual workspace. The neural links couldn't have given it data. The simulations have interiority? Subjectivity? I can't know that until I look more closely, but they act like us. We're inside it. By any reasonable philosophical standard, we are inside that vex. Unless you take a particularly ruthless approach to the problem of casual forks, yes, they are us. Causal forks, not casual forks. Oops, my bad. Very different meeting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Call a team meeting. The other you has to. Vex two. So, uh, uh, what? I have to be Dr. Shim, by the way. Well, I mean, you should just. I know it, it's a joke. You can, you can be, you can be Shim. Oh, okay. Um, do we need a third? For yeah, Dwayne. Dwayne, awesome. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, like Dwayne. Dwayne Reed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. 
that's the situation as we know it. To the best of my understanding. Oh, I guess I'll be shit, man. Uh, sorry. Well, I'll be a profane profanity. This is extremely profane. That thing has us over a barrel. Yeah, we're in a difficult position. I don't understand. So it's simulating us. It made a virtual copies of us. How does that give it power? It controls the simulation. It can hurt our simulated selves. We wouldn't feel that pain, but rationally speaking, we have to treat an identical copy as actually as identical to our own. It's God in there. It can simulate our torment forever. If we don't let it go, it'll put us through hell. We have no casual connection to the mind state of those sims. They aren't us, just copies. We have no, oh my god, I can't even, obligation to them. Sorry. You can't seriously, your own self. Fucking idiot. Think, <laughs> think. If it can run one simulation, maybe it can run more than one. And if there will only ever be one reality, play the odds. Oh, uh-oh. Odds are that we aren't our... Oh, whoops, wrong person. <laughs> Fantastic. Go ahead, Anon. That's you. <laughs> odds are that we aren't our own originals. Odds are that we exist in one of the Vex simulations right now. I didn't now think why? of that. That's my dog, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I thought that I thought that was Sundaresh's indistinct percussive sound, and I was like, I don't think she decided to start drumming. <laughs> Probably dog like is fell over or hit the table. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if she fainted here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's something. It's not like <laughs> she's hitting something really hard over and over. Okay. Dex three. I have a plan. If you have a plan, then so does your sim, and the Vex know about it. Does it matter if we're in Vex hell right now? There's nothing we can... Stop talking about real and unreal. All realities are programs executing laws. Subjectivity is all that matters. We have to act as if we're in, a real, in the real universe, not one simulated by the specimen. Otherwise, we might as well give up. Your sim self is saying the same thing. Kiyoma, love, please hush. It doesn't help. Hmm. Maybe the simulations are just billboards. Maybe they don't have interiority. Hope I said that right. It's bluffing. I wish someone would simulate you shutting up. <laughs> if we're sims, we exist in the pocket of the universe that the Vex specimen is able to simulate with its onboard brain power. If we're real, we need to get outside that bubble. We call for help. That's right. We bring in someone smarter than the specimen. Someone too big to simulate and predict. A war mind. In the real world, the war mind will be able to behave in ways the Vex can't simulate. It's too smart. The war mind may be able to get into the Vex and rescue us. If we try... Won't the Vex torture us for eternity, or just erase us? It may simply erase us, but I feel that's preferable to the alternatives. I agree. Once we try to make the call, the Vex may react. 
So let's all savor this last moment of stability. Interesting sounds. Wonderful. You're supposed to be making out with Mike, by the way. You two oh, are please don't. Oh, man. I wish I'd taken that job at Clovis. Okay. So... And this is this isn't really conversation-y, so I guess uh what is someone will take Vex four and then someone will take Vex five. Uh any anyone desire the long ass card? God, this thing's like twenty paragraphs. Oh I'll, I'll read it. You sure? Yeah, I can do it. If you get okay. tired, I'll take over. <laughs> Up here they have to act by a biomechanical proxy. No human being in the Ishtar Academy has ever has ever uh, crossed the safety cordon and walked the ancient stone under the citadel, the Vex construct that stabs up out of the world to endure space and time. It's not safe. The cellular Vex elements are infectious, hallucinogenic, ethnogenic. Uh, <laughs> the informational Vex elements are more dangerous yet, and there could be semiotic hazards beyond them, aggressive ideas, Vex who exist without the substrate. Even now, operating remote bodies by neural link, the team's thoughts are relayed through the war mind who saved them, sandboxed and scrubbed for hazards. Their real bodies are safe in the academy, protected by distance and neural firewall. But they walk together in proxy, press closed, huddled in awe. Blue-green light, light the color of an ancient sea, washes over them. Each of their explorer bodies carries a slim computer. Inside, 200, 227 copies, uh, 227 copies, what? 227 of copies of their own minds. Wait, sorry, that didn't sound right. Um, <clears throat> patient and paused for dispersal. I wonder where it came from, uh, Duan McNida says. Of course he's the one to break the reverent silence. The Citadel. I wonder if it was here before the Traveler changed Venus. It could have been latent, Chioma as he said. She's the leader. She kept them together when it seemed like they faced actual eternal torture. She pulled them through. Seated in the crust, waiting for a period of uh, geological quiescence so it could grow. Dr. Shims shrugs. I think the Traveler did something paracausal, uh, paracausal to Venus, something that cut across space and time. The Citadel seems to come from the past of a different Venus than our own. It doesn't have to make any sense by our logic any more than the moon's new gravity. Maya Sundaresh walks at the center of the group. She's been too quiet lately. What happened to them wasn't her fault, and maybe she'll believe that soon. What could you What could you do with it? She murmurs, staring up. If you understood with it, Joma puts an arm around her. That's what we're going to find out. Where the Citadel can send us, whether we can come back. They're not us anymore. Maya looks down at herself, at the cache of her self forks. We're not going anywhere. We're sending them. They're diverging. They rescued themselves from the inside of a Vex mine, 227 copies of themselves, untortured and undamaged. The, those copies voted all ununanimously to be dispatched into the Vex information network as explored. When Maya and Shiomi look at each other, they can tell they're one, each wanting the same thing. How many of them will stay together wherever they go? How many Fork Mayas and Fork Chiomis will, Chiomas will fall out of love? How many will end up bereft and grieving? How many will be happy like them? Choma tries a little smile. Maya smiles back, haltingly, and then, sighing, unable to stop herself, grins a big, stupid grin, and everything is okay. Shim makes an loud, obnoxious aww 
at them. Dwan McNida is still thinking about paracausality and doesn't notice. They climb. When they find the Vex aperture they plan to use, they overlay the luminous stone and ancient brassy machines with images of sun and sand. They set up like transmitters and interfaces that will translate 227 simulations of the four of them into Vex language, into the tangled pathways of the Vex network to see what's out there, and maybe come And the metaphor they've chosen, setting up the equipment is like uh, laying out the picnic. And the metaphor they've chosen to look like themselves, not hardened explorer proxies, like people. Do you think, Duan McNaida begins halting, that you could use this place to change things? If you regretted something, could you find a way through the Citadel, go back and change it? I wish I could go back and change you and someone else, Dr. Shim grouses. <laughs> Shioma's shaking her head. She knows physics. Time is self-consistent, she says. I think it's like the story of the merchant and the alchemist. You could always go back and watch something or be a part of something. But if you did, then, uh, then that was the way it always happened. Maybe you could bring something back now, something you needed. Maya runs a hand across the surface of the Vex aperture, feeling, feeling it, with, feeling it with, a, with sensors 10,000 times as precise as a human need. Those proxy bodies are limited. They crash and need resetting every few hours. They struggle with latency. They can't seem to hold much long-term memory, but they'll get better. Or go forward and learn something vital. If you knew how to control it, how to navigate the cross. So it's just a way to make everything more complicated, Duan McKnight sighs. It doesn't fix anything. Nothing ever does. I should have taken that job at... You would have hated it at Clovis, Dr. Shim says. We both know you're happier here. Duan McNaida st stands stunned by this courtesy, and when they both pretend to ignore each other. The four of them set up the interface. Their stored copies wake up and prepare for the journey, so that, uh, so that as they work, they find themselves surrounded by the mental phantasms of themselves. 227 Mayas and Chiomas knocking helmets and smiling. 227 Dr. Shims making cynical bets with each other about how long they'll last. 227 Duan McKnight is blowing goodbye kisses to the sweet golden sun. 227 of them shaking hands, smiling, making ready to explore. That's a good card. So, a, lot, a, lot, a lot to talk about in that card alone. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's, let's finish this last one. Uh, Purple, you want to take this last one here? Sure. Since I think it was uh, who you voiced anyway. This <laughs> fitting. Record zero, chasm zero. My love, I've opened this log as an apology. As a scientist, I believe in record keeping. I believe in protocols, peer review, and ethical conduct. I believe in the importance of disbelief. You know, let's run that one more time. What I'm doing here in Lhasa isn't science. It's unethical, secret, and shameful. And after what happened in Ishtar, Dukioma, I knew you'd be furious with me for getting involved. Forty years isn't far enough to forget a day like that. But I believe it's important. The least I can do is keep a few notes for you. Record zero, chasm one. Trial one. Subject 1. It was an act of stupid loneliness. I used the device on myself because I... I missed you. 
We hadn't been apart for more than a year since we met. I'm not very good wife, am I? You write me every week, even with all Hyperion's work and all Hyperion's distance keeping you from me, and I act like it's not enough. We built the device in mimicry of the Vex gateway systems from Ishtar. An observatory, yes, but I think of it as a kind of mindship, capable of displacing its payload across space and time. The lab is cold and isolated. We are quarantined from the world, physically and mentally. We can't send messages out. If we breach the Vex manifolds, even our words might transmit contagion. One night last month, I missed you, and so I... I thought I could look inside the device, find one of the other Kiomas. I thought I could call out to one of the forks we sent out there to explore. I just wanted to send my love. Record Zero, Chasm Two. Oh gosh, okay. Zachary Gilmanovich Berekterev. May he rest in peace. When our probes continued to fail, when my report remained our only positive finding, he volunteered to use the device. One minute of subjective experience inside. We took precautions. They worked. Brechterev's experience left no physical damage. After we extracted him, he said he felt determined. I asked him what he meant, and he said that he meant it, that he had been determined. He could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. He died by suicide. I wonder if he was trying to make a point. Record Zero, Chasm Three. We've decided not to abort. It's insane, isn't it? There are pressures on us I can't tell you until I see you again. The purpose of the system is intelligence, you see. It stenciled right on the hull. SXLSR. Special asset. We would very much like to make it work reliably. Our supervisory warmind has devised a drug that says it will protect and prepare us. I'm beginning to wonder if we were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist, or if that explanation of time was incomplete. Record Zero, Chasm Nine. Kind Lapka. He meditated before he went in. Nothing but deja vu and three seconds of screams. The screaming passed and he remembers nothing. The deja vu hasn't. He says it's getting better. He feels we've only had this conversation only ten times before, not a thousand. I've suggested we attempt mind forking. We may... We need more sane people to work with. Forgive me, my love. We are all growing superstitious. The behavior of the device is inconsistent. Impossible to replicate. We turn to ritual behavior to appease it. Record Zero, Chasm 31. Rajas. When he reached a displacement of eight, he told us he was dead. I believed him. He was dead. He spoke to us. It was true. Whatever he saw, it was his own future. He's fine afterwards. When I look into his eyes, I wonder what came back wearing his skin. But that thought is unscientific. We speak of nothing but the device. We talk about it like a demigod. 
When I get out of here, I know the whole world will look like a fraying veil. I think it's clear that part of the problem is substrate. We need more than flesh and drug to survive this. Record Zero, Chasm 52. I heard you, my love. I was at six, oscillating on the event axis, coordinated with a known manifold. I heard you. You were talking to me, not me, but another me, another Maya Senderesh. You said, my love, so many strange things have happened and it's been so long. We've come so far. Do you ever want to go home? And I said, not me, but the other me. I said, my love, I'm always home. I'm resigning, my love. I'm done with this work and I'm done from being, with being apart from you. I'll see you again soon. I can't take this journal out with me, so I've left it for the others and asked them to continue the log. Maybe it'll become a tradition, the gospel of our little cult. That was a long card. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. uh, so good, though. Um, yeah. Mike had a step away. Uh, that was his dog barking. Uh, I don't think he's back. He back? He's back. It took okay. so long. He came back. Yeah, that was long enough for your dog to shut up. So you shouldn't. <laughs> Did you okay, have a question, uh, Jay? Um. Oh yeah. Where do you guys want to start with the first one, Ghost Fragment Vex, yeah. and work our way down? Yeah, I figured that that'd be the best way to go. Right. Um, I mean, like the really the first few are pretty pretty straightforward there's really only like one or two things to really bring up about them in the first case uh so does anyone have anything specifically like that they'd want to mention from the first few cards there um dr shim is a mean guy <laughs> i mean no i disagree i think he's pretty cool So it's kind of hard to tell from these cards exactly what the nature of everyone's relationship is. Obviously, we know Maya and Kyoma have a romantic relationship. Mm. Um, Dwayne seems to be... I don't know exactly what his role is. Dr. Shim seems to be the leader. Well, see, I would agree with that. But then in the later card, it says how Chioma is the leader. It mm -hmm. seems it seems like no one's really the leader, but Dwayne is the junior. Well, okay, maybe I picked the wrong word. I think, like, when you're talking about a group of scientists, there's usually one that's, like, the, the senior. senior person. Yeah. Um, okay. And you're right, I, it does say I, sh that Kiyoma was the leader, but that doesn't necessarily mean she was in the senior position. That could just mean that in this situation... Yeah. She uh, became the leader. Of I the completely group. agree. Yeah. Uh, really quick, I just want to say it's 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 Dwayne McNead. Sorry. Yeah, I was uh, thinking that too. Hill My apologies that I don't know everything that how to pronounce every single word in the entire. Well, when it's room. I A D H, it's not McNida. I didn't say McNida. That's what you did say. You said it's Dwayne McNida. I said Dwayne McNida. McNida. That's not completely out of question, is it? You said McNida. You did I, not say McNida. Well, according to Baxter, it kind of sounds like the word near. 
Really? McNeia. Ha! Huh. So I, I, my pronunciation was wrong. Mike was just way off base with his McNeida. In conclusion, <laughs> welcome uh, to the. It's really uh, hard to pronounce a lot of these words. Welcome eh. to yes. the. Uh, never mind. But uh, so yeah, uh, the I I I didn't I didn't uh, let me actually go grab that really quick. Uh, specimen twelve. Uh, I think that's what it was. In the info dump. Subject 12. No, it's totally specimen. Specimen. Yeah, I see it here. Uh, sorry. No, that's okay. Um, While you pulled that up, I was just going to say something. Go ahead. Um, going back to the le um, leader thing, um, what do you guys define as a leader like as like a role model or like the person in charge that's a really good question well i think it kind of goes with what i was saying that it it seemed to me that at least that dr shim was the person who's supposed to be in charge like he's has the senior rank um i interpreted the line she's the leader talking about kioma as she is the person who stepped up in this situation to keep the group together and okay. that they rallied around and that's why they call her a leader. Yeah. And, and then in the first card, uh, Chioma is the one that discovers something and she brings it to the attention of Maya first and Maya calls for a meeting. So it, that's, that's, that's really my point where it seems like Shim Chioma and Maya are all the senior uh, researchers on this topic, whereas Dwayne is the junior researcher on the topic. Not that anyone is specifically in charge. Shim probably is the most senior, but just not in charge of the pro and pro of the project itself. All right. Sorry about that question. It's just that no. I went to a council last well. weekend, and that was a question that they brought up: like, what is a leader? So I just had to bring that up and see your thoughts on what is mm. a leader. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, yeah. you know, there are lots of interpretations of, of the word, and that's why I think it's a great question. I think the best leaders are the people that can rally, that others can rally around. Which all of them that's someone that, that is appointed as a leader or someone that assumes the role because other people have rallied around them. Yeah, but... uh. As it said, uh, Specimen 12 was the one that they were uh, observing. Uh, specimen 12 is actually an artifact which reads, uh, Running hot with the effort of simulating not one group of scientists, but 227. That's a reference to a later card in this uh, in this series where they pulled out 227 copies of themselves. Uh, this artifact is uh, sort of a like dematerializing cylindrical object with almost like a green flame inside of it, a uh, yellow greeny flame. And when I first saw this, I sort of thought that's that that physically cannot exist in the game. And I went to the Waking Ruins and I killed a bunch of X and I just I just looked at their bodies and I was looking all over their bodies. And if you look closely at the artifact itself, you can sort of see it's it's not perfectly it's not a perfect uh, circular shape. It's actually got angles on it. And it's almost like it would fit perfectly 
for where the juice box is for like a goblin. So in my opinion, it's, it's in no way confirmed, but in my opinion, that's what specimen 12 was. It was an extracted uh, mind core of a Vex that was in some way kept alive, sort of like how we did with the gate Lord's eye. Um, it's kept alive. And uh, because of that, they were able to observe it and, see see all this good stuff well that makes sense because um, maya calls it the vex platform mm -hmm. the operational vex platform which to me mm -hmm. implies that it's not an entire like vex yeah like a whole goblin that's just part of it yeah uh so uh one other thing uh, I, I'd like to point out, just moving moving forward, uh, I think it's in two or three. In any case, it's it's when they say they need to bring in something smarter than the Vex, and they're like, we're going to bring in the, the Warmind, because the Warmind is smarter than the Vex. That's entirely an assumption. Like, some people can look at that card and say, that confirms that a Warmind is smarter than the Vex. That does not confirm it, in my opinion. It, it suggests it because it seemed to have worked, but it might not be the exact case. It might not be that the Warmind is smarter than the Vex. It might only be that the 227 copies are the 227 simulations, in which case the Warmind successfully pulled out that copy. Yeah, it might not be that they outsmarted the Vex, only that they played the odds, and that's what they got. Just uh, something to keep in mind. Nothing, nothing is really set in stone when it when it comes to the lore. It's very interpretational and uh, a little confusing. <laughs> when I first like read that line, I was like, okay, so does that confirm that there is a war mine on? Venus, or were they talking about Rasputin or Charlemagne? Uh, again, this is my opinion. There is a war mind for every major planet, planetary uh, body. Body. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, oh. <laughs> the war minds uh, were. Almost confirmed to be to have been created by the seven seraphs. Uh, I feel like the number seven was very specific, where it yeah, is this Mercury. Game was made by Bungie. Well, also that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But in this specific instance, in that Mercury, Venus, Earth, Luna, Mars, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, all have a governing war mind. Might Most be wrong. people I know assume that they're talking about Rasputin. Whether that's true mm. or not, I don't know. Yeah, but that, that most people common... assume they're talking about Rasputin. Um, is Rasputin the only war mine that's like remaining after the collapse? Rasputin Currently. is the only active, active one, war say. mine yeah. that we know of. Okay. We have no hard evidence that there is a war mind or was a war mind on Venus. That doesn't mean there isn't. We just don't know about it. Well, it's the fact that Rasputin talks about how the other ones, like, died. 
so the only other one that we can even actually put a name to is Charlemagne. That like you don't say my brothers and sisters have died, and it's like, yeah, I meant Charlemagne. He's my brothers and sisters. Like, no, that's true. <laughs> well, but there are there's other, other planets. There's. It- there's been an implication that there was a war mine on Mercury. Has there? Has yeah, there? I'm not going to go digging for it right now. <laughs> I expect it on my desk by uh, Friday, though. <laughs> um, I think it was the mission, The Last Array. When it's complete, you see all the planets that show up. So could those be the planets that the war mines were on? Or was those just something that they added? Um. I think that was more. Um, we basically that the mission, the point of that mission, operating the last array. The uh, what that does is it gives Rasputin back to the stars, um, and I think that's just Rasputin scanning the uh, scanning the other planets, regaining access to systems that he hadn't had before, oh. activating that array. Okay. So they they definitely had uh, access in some form to those planets. The question is. Hell Did right. Rasputin have access to Venus and Luna and Mars? Like, was it always Rasputin was everywhere? And we're just re-giving access? Or was it Mars had Charlemagne, Earth had Rasputin, Venus had, etc. And now that they're gone, we're giving Rasputin access to those uh, platforms. I think it says giving him back to the stars, but I mean, that's just you know, mm. just wording. So it's entirely possible that that could also just mean, you know, back to the back to specific orbiting satellites around Earth. Well, yeah, that's what it was. It was that he was able to now access the specific satellites around. Like, obviously, they have war sats around Venus, Mercury, uh, Mars, etc. Crash at the time. Uh, yeah, they, they have them. And the last array was giving Rasputin the ability to leave Earth. And that was actually shown in... I forgot the card. It's the one where uh, it's the female hunter mm-hmm. who is tracking down Valis to Arik and Rasputin destroys a, uh, a small war between Cabal and Vex. And then to Arik loses his shit and he's like, rouse the flares, find the source. Um that one that was that was Rasputin just getting back into the war stats of of Mars or just getting into the war sets of Mars rather um, mm-hmm. just in general um, so he's he's now he now has access to everywhere it's it's did he always have access to everywhere or were they cordoned were they sectioned off uh, to specific war mines or did all the war mines have access to everywhere? And the one talked about in Vex was Rasputin was a Venus war mine was Charlemagne was any random war mine that was not busy during that time. It's another endless amount of possibilities. Excuse me. Do we have any, uh, other comments on the first three cards, or do we want to move on to four and five? Um, I think that's it for me for, for three. Mm. And, uh, something I want to say, let me grab the exact line. Vex elements are infectious, hallucinogenic, and theogenic. Uh, this is directly... And like, there's a, there's so few things that I can say like are 
like confirmed, but this is one of the things that's like, no, it's 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 confirmed. Shut up. Uh, directly related to Kabar's experience in the Vault of Glass, specifically the armor. Uh, I think it's the warlock robes that say how uh, it woke up and it felt like it was like the warlock was breathing differently. That's mm-hmm. what it said. I, I would have to look at it, but it, it tells the warlock to if you start. Uh, one of the other uh, items says that if you start feeling feelings of um, oh what is oh uh, robe of the Hezen lords slept mm. in the armor last night woke to feel my heart stuttering to the pattern of an unknown signal almost like this is what the vex are getting transmitted to them so it's saying even if you destroy them they are still alive they don't need the mind core their bodies are living and using their bodies as armor is one of the dumbest things you can do. They're hallucinogenic, uh, other infectious, hallucinogenic and entheogenic. Don't touch them. Don't wear them. Don't think about any of that. That's stupid. And that's exactly what, uh, Kabar, Kabir, Kaber, uh, Klondike bar did. (laughs) And I will point out, um, in one of, Uh, Kaber's um, in one of his cards, and I can't remember which one. There was the line that said, "You know, I I drank of their mind fluid. It tasted of the sea." That was actually Vault of Glass, and that was Vault more of, of a Pahannon's card because okay, well, it was Pahannon. Right, right. Anyway, my point was that Radiolari is a real thing. It's not what? Just made up in Destiny. Yeah, I it's said a, that earlier. You did. Did I miss yes. it? Was it wasn't yes. Okay, sorry. Anyway. Yeah, it's that was just part of the well, theory. Well, finish your it. point. But go oh, ahead. No, the, don't, well, let him... don't let me stop you, Chimera. I'm just saying. Oh, it's fine. It's when I had to step away. So it's, um, I, I just think it's interesting, and I think it's fun when they do that. Um, when you can Google something and some other site comes up besides, you know, Destiny websites. <laughs> Now, um, um, I just have one thing to say. Sure. Um, yeah, um, what is so, I guess, is like a new question, new question, but why is the citadels like so important to them? Oh, god, that's actually where I was getting to. Uh, okay. so let me let me say, uh, what I wanted to say here, uh, really quick. <clears throat> I'm looking actually for it. Because uh, I want to, I want to quote the exact thing. I should have highlighted it. Uh, it's further down, I think. I think it more like us, uh, no, it was at the, it was at the very top. Uh, oh, uh, up here they have. Where's the picnic line? Oh, uh... there it is. And the metaphor they've chosen, setting up the equipment. No, that's not it. Is that the only one? What the fuck? Huh. What's your point, Anon? Well, uh, one thing I wanted to suggest, and I could, I'm having a um, uh, Mandela effect, I suppose. Uh, one thing I wanted to suggest is, given the uh, geography of Venus, do you think it's possible 
that the citadel actually sits above the glass throne. Sure. <laughs> okay, thanks. You are. Yeah. Wait, what would be the significance of that? Well, it's because both the citadel and the, the glass throne clearly are pinpoints of power. Uh, the glass throne is where Atheon exists, and Atheon is the conflicts of time. He stretches across the timelines. He's the centering pin that connects the Vex to all the all the possible timelines in the universe. So to have this be directly located beneath the citadel it's sort of like the antenna of atheon that's how he connects and the citadel gives you access to the terminus which is a really important thing now uh i, I just i just want to brag about it because i was so exciting to be there uh back in the dark below uh like shortly after the dark below people started figuring out how to uh break the game into the terminus excuse me because you can just like jump over the protective wall into the elevator and it will shoot you right up there and the um platforms that appear and disappear don't exist so they're not there and no there's no enemies but you can actually make it so that you'll spawn on the other side as well and me and my friend uh the guardian uh from a, a previous episode we, we went up there and I saw the Terminus and I'm looking around and there's all these Vex gates and it's like I've never seen such an organized cluster of Vex gates. They're always so sporadic and they seem like monster closets. Like they're the only reason they're there is because Bungie wants Vex to be coming at you as you progress through the level. But this one it's like they are here and they're here for a purpose. They're not just here because the Vex are building gates for whatever damn reason. They are here because they designed it this way specifically. And I was like, so this place is called the Terminus. And they have very specific gates, organized gates up all the way up here. And instantly my mind went to thinking like a train terminal where the train comes in and it, it's on this little rotating platform and it switches around and it comes in from one track, turns all the way around and goes onto another track. <clears throat> so in my opinion, back then, uh, the Terminus was actually sort of how they would travel to another timeline specifically, where they would come into this and they would go into that. And it's not this planet to that planet, it's this time to that time. And that's only possible now, uh, furthering my point, because of because of being the antenna of Atheon, like that centered power. And then uh, in the House of Wolves, we find out that's exactly what was happening with Skolas. He was going into other timelines and pulling other House of Wolves dregs and vandals. So it's just, I think that's I think that's the importance of uh, the Citadel and the Terminus. I just want to note out, per, speaking from personal experience, the um, the Vex gates up there are indestructible. You cannot shut them down no matter how many bullets you put into them. Hmm. Only furthering your point. Never tried. It's and also then, possible since it's called the Citadel. I mean, Citadel means fortress. So if you put the Citadel on top of the glass throne, it's like a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, though, 
Uh, Pick your god. <laughs> Oryx. He's my god. Oh, that's it. There it is. Uh, no human being in the Ishtar Academy has ever crossed a safety cordon and walked the ancient stone under the citadel. There's no way to go under the citadel. There's no entryway under the citadel. You know, like it has to be the the yeah, no, the vault of glass, right? Sure. I follow you. Patronize me. Let me think exactly where you go through the raid. Um, yeah, because you go in and then you go around and then you get to the Templar as well. So it's like you, the Citadel is up to the far right. Mm-hmm. And then you go in and then you sort of like hook to the right. And it's like you keep pushing further and further. So in my mind, you're actually lining yourself up with a straight shot to the Citadel. And that's that's where you end up going. Because it's all it's always pushing to the right. Like you start you go a little bit to the left, but then you hook to the right and you always hook to the right. You do that in the Gorgon maze. And the you jumping puzzle. And the jumping puzzle. Kabar's uh, he, trial. Right. He's right. Look ge- ge- geographically, it should be directly under the citadel, given the distance. Well, I mean, like, given the distance, that's that's really where it becomes difficult. But just given the general, like, direction that they're heading, like, that's where it's heading. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, it's like, oh, my God. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, something I might have to try out in the next few days, but <laughs> we'll get to that next week. Yeah. Uh, Purple, you have a comment? I do. So, in the paragraph um, where Maya's... Uh, talking about these sensors that they have that they're using they're using these proxy bodies Um, and there's a line that says these proxy bodies are limited they crash and need resetting every few hours they struggle with latency they can't hold much long-term memory but they'll get better the first time i read this card i was like hmm that sounds a lot like the exo especially like the exos that have lots of big numbers like Banshee and how everyone kind of teases him about how his terrible memory um, and having to get reset all the time and how the the exos that have low numbers like Lakshmi too it's like oh she must remember lots of things because she's only been reset maybe once or maybe twice depending on how you count and so she hasn't lost a lot of memories uh, so I'm I was my theory was that is this the first instance of using what became the exos you know is this the prototype for them just a thought i would absolutely agree Mm -hmm. um the exos came from europa right from like a factory in europa or am i just thinking of something else that's um that's a theory that's that's oh, okay. uh, where they not where they came from, but where they uh, where, where they well, no were folded. Uh, yeah, oh. where the the consciousness of an exo okay. was was uh, mm-hmm. uh, seeded. Seeded. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah, because an exo is basically just a human mind, right? Like they were once human, but now their mind is in an exo. In some it? way, somehow, through okay. some programming means. 
there are some exos who were previously human and had their consciousness moved consciousness moved from a human body to an exo body okay whether that means that all of them are is up for debate all right like most things <laughs> yeah like everything um so yeah, I definitely agree with you, uh, Chimera, that the uh, these proxy bodies were definitely uh, exo bodies, which only is further reinforced by the fact that, well, we'll get into that. Hmm. So then you uh, get before... the spitball theories, like, like obviously that means that Dwayne is Banshee forty four. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, we'll get into that another time. <laughs> Uh, one last thing before we move on to Vex 5, uh, the line, time is self-consistent, she says. I think it's like the story of the merchant and the alchemist. You could go back and watch something or be a part of something, but if you did, then that was the way it always happened. Uh, I've actually never read this, but at my my uh, job, being uh, people I used to work with, uh, we've, we've actually talked about similar uh, things like this all the time, and that was always sort of my, actually a few of our, uh, personal beliefs that time is is uh, cyclical. If if something bad happened in the world, like if something happened, and you think you can go back in time because you have a time machine and you can prevent it from happening, all you would do was cause it to happen because time was created in this. It's existing in both the past and the future at the same time and the present in between. So when you go back to stop what's happening, all you're actually doing is, is causing the happening and you were always meant to, it was always meant to be that way. Nothing. It's sort of like saying everything happens for a reason and you are the reason you can't change anything. You're stuck causing the things. Uh, I do a bad job explaining it, but I would actually... Well, it, I mean, it, it's pretty much... They, they did a pretty decent job there. Like, if you go back to change something, then you always went back to change it, so it yeah. just is how it was. Yeah. Like, you can... Without, like, just bringing up, like, a, a bad event, like, it's just... Like, it's like... If it's something simple, like, you just don't want to be late for work. So you go back in time and you like really tell yourself you cannot be late for work. Like if you're late for work again, you're going to get fired. All that's going to happen is you're going to stress. You're causing yourself to stress out about it to the point that you're going to be late for work. Like you being late for work is because of you going back in time, which you only go back in time because you were late for work. So it's just this never ending circle. Mm -hmm. If, um, if any listeners are happen, happen to be more interested on the uh, the mergers and the alchemists, uh, that is a reference to a uh, short story by Ted Chiang that was published in 2006, Merchant and the Al Alchemist Gate. Um, I have actually haven't had the chance to read it myself, but uh, doing after this show, <laughs> I'm reading too many things. <laughs> <laughs> no, no lie there. And uh, that brings us to Vex Five. Let's let's talk about Vex Five. I uh, I don't know if we want to start off with this or not, but I do want to draw 
Um, obviously draw the parallels between this and the logs from uh, Exo Stranger 2. Mm -hmm. um, let me get that card in front of me. Well, I mean, they're essentially the same. Instead of record zero chasm, or instead of record number chasm number, it's record number bridge number. Uh, they are also very similar to the future workhole, which is sort of the last line there. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll become a tradition, the gospel of our little cult. So it's sort of saying, did she start the future workhole? Yes. We could do a and... whole episode on that. <gasps> we yeah, should. that's true. Okay, well, let's just shut up then. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We're done. <laughs> and scene. Uh, just to, I don't know. If, do we want to talk about the stranger now, or leave that for another? That'll be another episode, but we can okay. we can touch on Ooh. it. Well, I just I did a uh, I did a I excuse me. First ever podcast I did was um, I was a guest on um, uh, Focus Fire Chat a couple of months ago. Actually, this would have been about a year ago now. Wow. Um, and we talked about the excess stranger that night, and uh, we were we. Um, we were able to draw the same parallels that you did, um, Purple, that, you know, the uh, these mind copies, these mind forks that the Ishtar Collective are using are probably, these these proxies, rather, are probably exos, um, just because of the way that they're described in that card. And we were able to draw the links between uh, the exo stranger, you know, the how she uses the exact same, not the exact same, but very similar log style to record each and every one of her jumps as she calls them and we were able to draw that that line between both the fact that the um the ishtar collective uses exos for their stimulations uses the copies that seem to be exos at least some of them seem to be exos um the fact that the stranger uses very similar style of logs to both the future war cult and my sundaresh so we were able to at least we were able to put together a formula that um, we thought that there's at least a very, very simply, there's a link between the stranger and Maya Sundarish. Um, and a couple of us thought that the stranger is one of the 227 copies of suit that was sent into the gate network because she's able to use Vex technology to jump forward, backward and through time. That was just that. Uh, that was our thoughts on the uh, subject, but that was that was a stranger episode, so it wasn't entirely focused on this altogether. Any thoughts on that? It's definitely a possibility. Hmm. Yeah, I just hope that we learn more about the Exo Stranger in the future, because that's a character that I've always been fascinated with, and I just want to know more about her. You're not the only one. Trust me. Yeah. But yeah, um, I just want to put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. Um, oh, I, I was just curious. Um, how come you guys like didn't um incorporate Osiris in this episode? Because this was about the Ishtar collective team. Oh, so Osiris is not a fill okay, oh, because Osiris came after, right? Yeah, he's a guardian. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, I'm I So um, all of these car these Vex cards mm -hmm. that we were just been reading take place during the golden age mm -hmm. okay 
Um, uh, th- this episode, I was thinking, like, what what would be a good uh, yeah. Thanksgiving episode? And I came to the conclusion, <laughs> the issue. No, 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 it's team. fine. It's perfect. No, I no, just thought it was I just want to say, because yeah. it's, it, it's a little bit, I think it's sort of funny. Uh, the Ishtar <laughs> Collective team are essentially the only f- real family we see in the grimoire. And also because, you know, Vex sort of sound like turkeys. That's an interesting sure. way to oh. Okay. That's how we choose our episodes. <laughs> That's guys. when you just say, okay, Anon, absolutely. <laughs> That's actually what you said. That's what I I pitched that idea. It's just like, yeah, you do it. See, I'm self consistent. I, I I just I just get away with whatever I want on this podcast. I love it. I'm going to do the thing, and they're like, just don't hurt us. <laughs> just, just don't explode the internet and on, please. Kieran several times. That's, that's going to be episode 10. Wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I dropped the ball, guys. Yes, you did. I'll do it on episode 12. What happened on episode 10? <laughs> That was the last episode. He was supposed to explode the internet, but he forgot. So he's got to do it next uh, time. Silly me. I can time travel back, but that like takes effort. But it's self-consistent. So if he, oh, that was the one where then, then he always <laughs> didn't explode. It. Episode ten was with Matt, right? The le- no, uh, episode the Legend Blue should have been should have been episode eleven was with Matt the Legend Blue. Yeah. Um, we had an audio issue, and we had wow. to um, not release that. Yeah, as a host of a podcast, I've realized audio is tough sometimes. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, th- I think I think that really brings us uh, to the end of the podcast. Uh, Purple, <laughs> you're gonna stay on with me to read uh, the thankful guard the guardians things, right? Yeah. Uh, like, are you gonna stay with uh with us? do that uh sure if you'd like i mean you don't have to it's 12 pages of guardians saying what they're thankful for in destiny i just thought it'd be nice to uh to share that out you know some good vibes in the community when everything's sort of just shit <laughs> oh yeah i had to talk about that bad stuff last week on my podcast with the skill-based uh, matchmaking uh, see that's why i'm on a lore podcast because i can just pretend that everything's pretty. happy in lore yeah, because everything is happy and lore, except wanting more of it. You know, it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's yeah, good though. Good. It's easy to talk about lore. It's hard to talk about news and give your opinion because then everyone yeah. just come after you. Oh my god, you have an opinion? That's not allowed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, like, I'm gonna kill you for it. <laughs> so yeah, we have a lot of entries here. I didn't realize we got this many tweets at us. Wow. Well, it's not tweets. I put it on Bnet because if you really, if you really want attention, you just have me post something about it on Bnet and it blows up. Oh, kind of a big it. deal. I'm just kidding. I'm not a big deal. I, I actually used to be uh, pretty popular on uh, Bnet. We we should just have all this cut out. Uh, just for the record, this is just me talking at this point. When when I when I used to be on like Bnet all the time, posting theories like every every few days. I would go into a game of the Crucible. I'd be like, I just want to play a quick game. I play a quick game and I get a message from someone going, like, "Oh my god, I love your stuff on Bnet." And I'm like, "Oh, cool, thanks." Now I'm on a, I'm on like a professional podcast and shit. I don't, I don't, I don't get recognized. We will, <laughs> we will get you recognized. I, I, I promise. Even though you I, already are. 
That's the goal. I need to be more recognized. What a good guy, big guy. I tried to move up, and all I did was move back. It doesn't work like that. Like, goddamn. <laughs> but either way, back to the this should actually be in the podcast. Uh, dark. Uh, just saying. The other bit, dear editor. Cut out. <laughs> yeah, dear editor. You can you can cut out my my stupid little uh, crap right there, um, <laughs> or if you would please. Or don't I? I don't care. People can people come here to listen to me talk about bullshit, right? Sure. I mean, Why not. That's what they're gonna <laughs> get. So. Yeah. People love me. I'm awesome. Either way. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into Alda's other guardians, do you guys have anything you want to be say that you're thankful for? Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, what, what what is everyone here thankful for before I I wrap up this and then in, uh, in the game or just in, like in general in, in the, the Destiny game. community? Okay. I mean, it'd be nice if it related to Destiny. Yeah. Um, do you mind? I mean, if you're thankful first? for your brother, go ahead, uh, Jay. Oh, better not. <laughs> yeah, I love my brother, but um, I will have to say the developers because they care about this game a lot and they one hour feedback and. I think that's good, and I'm thankful to have them. God, I'm nice. thankful to have good people developing this game, and mm-hmm. they care, and I like that. It's awesome. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, what am I thankful for? Well, first off, I am not thankful for uh, Anon Pig. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am thankful for Purple Chimera, however. She, uh, Purple, you've been an excellent, excellent host in your uh, time with the show so far. It's been a pleasure working with you. Uh, always, always nice to have you on the show. I guess, I guess, I guess Pig's good too. Pig, it's it has. Uh, we met a couple of months ago. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been an interesting time. We we just certainly have uh, certainly have differences, but um, you know, I really appreciate the work, all the effort that you put into this podcast, both of you, uh, but. Pig, uh, you know you've you've been here since. Oh, you weren't you weren't listening. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had a girl. You know what's up? <laughs> we'll uh, touch on a different time. Lastly, uh, <laughs> um, you know, just shout out to all of our all of the people that will listen in each and every week. I know we've been a little little bit absent past few weeks. Haven't had to put out an episode in a couple of weeks uh, just because of audio issues and some other stuff internally, but um, really glad that a lot of you guys are stuck around with us. Even now that we're in, God, it's been 14 weeks and 12 episodes since we started this and we've gone through so many guest hosts. Now it's, it's been absolutely amazing experience. I really appreciate the support that each and every one of you are showing us both on Twitter, just by listening to the podcast, emailing us and just uh, being very interested in what we're putting up. Thank you very, very much. No, hmm. I just want to hug everybody. <laughs> that's actually is going to be it for me for the evening. I do have to uh, get going to bed here, but uh, and no worries, man. Have a good night. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving, Mike. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Ooh, yeah. Starburst. Yeah. <laughs> Anon is thankful for Starburst. I'm not thankful for Starburst because these are awful for you, but I'm pretty happy that I found one. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is going to be in a podcast, but where do you want me to upload the file to? 
<laughs> or not purple. What do you think for? <laughs> oh. Um. Well, you guys. Aww. Aww. <laughs> um. No, I. I'm just so happy with this community. I know there's a lot of salt and a lot of anger going around. Um. But for the most part, my interactions with this community are really positive and happy, and that. It makes me happy that I get to do this with you guys and make friends um, through Destiny, which is a totally bizarre concept for me because I was not allowed to play video games when I was growing up. So I get to play catch up as a grown up. And so bonding with friends over video games is a really cool thing. And it makes me really happy. That's awesome. And uh, that brings me to me. Uh, I'm really thankful for just so much and without being this like super cheesy and sappy I'm just like super thankful for this community uh, there's a lot of a lot of downs in this community and uh, something I'd actually like to say specifically is a couple weeks ago I saw something that just really upset me where uh, someone in the community was I guess you could say attacked it's really not even an attack. It was like such a such a minuscule thing, but uh, another member of the community brought it to everyone's attention and effectively caused a witch hunt. And with how it played out, it's almost impossible to say they didn't intend it for that to happen because other members of the community actively attacked the person who threw the first stone and i'm not defending the person because they were absolutely a jackass they shouldn't have said anything in the first place or anything like that it's just the fact that you need to be better the community needs to be better than to look at someone and be like oh well they they said something mean so now i'm gonna tear them apart and that really upset me and that really made me not want to be a part of this community and then uh, just today or yesterday, I actually forgot uh, uh, another of another podcast. Uh, without without uh, dropping names, you, you're never you're never supposed to drop names. It's it, it's really rude. Uh, uh, Deech told me that once. Uh, they they had a podcast episode that was really about staying positive, and they got attacked for it, and that was upsetting to see at first and by at first i mean the way that they reacted to it was they just laughed it off they're like you can you can be mad all you want but we're enjoying this game if you want to if you want to be salty that's you and that's that's what made me proud to be a part of this community because like yeah not everybody's great there's gonna be people that attack there's gonna be people that cause witch hunts and that's gonna be a lot of really nasty people but there are a real lot of genuinely good people. And I'm just thankful that there are that. They are there. You know, like you don't you don't get that with other communities. You you don't see that. <laughs> because like Call of Duty, like you have a Call of Duty player base, but you don't have a Call of Duty community. You know, Destiny's become so much more to so many people. Especially me on so many levels. Even if I'm not playing every day like I used to, it just means so much to me to have uh, this 
this place where I feel like I'm a part of something and I can be a part of something more. So. Yeah. Aww. I like that. <laughs> I agree with you. The worst part about this community is it's online, so I can't hug everybody all the time when I want to hug them all the time. <laughs> Go to Guardian Con next year. That's, I wish uh, I could. I Aww. wish I could, too. I wish I could. Yeah, I went last year to was it fun? Destiny Con. Oh yeah, it was awesome. It looked like it was that's super what. Fun. Like I I I will have to be thankful for that because I probably would not even be here on this podcast if I did not go there last year because I, mean, I was able to would. meet. No, because like I was able to meet Zorth, the head of the Tracker Network, and it it just helped me. Like I that just going there helped me. And ah. influenced me a lot. So yeah. See, <laughs> I this community is just awesome. Like I came from COD, and I never really interacted with that community because you know, pretty toxic over there. And just coming over here, it was just different. Everyone was so welcoming and nice to each other when they want to be. It's just, I just love this community a lot, and yeah. I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, it's, it's probably already too late by the time that this episode even drops. I'm also thankful for Insomniac Games. Uh, I know they're not really responsible for this, but the new PlayStation 4 Ratchet & Clank is now $9.99 on sale at GameStop. Uh, Ratchet & Clank is pretty much the only other game that's had such an impact on, on my my gaming career. <laughs> Than Destiny, like I have very few games that really mean a lot to me. Seeing that game at nine ninety nine is like, oh, I need to go buy it, but it's like I already have it. Like I'm actually tempted to buy it again, just because it's like such a good deal. Uh, fantastic game, just want to say that. Fantastic game, fantastic game studio. Uh, but I, I think that I think that'll uh, bring us to uh, the end here. Uh, me and Purple will record. Uh, everyone else what everyone else is thankful for uh so thanks for listening (laughs) thanks yeah (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of the lorecast until next week you can find us on twitter at destiny lorecast we love to hear from you please give us your thoughts and theories if you'd like to yeah If you'd like to further support this podcast and help us grow, leave an iTunes review. Those are stupid important to podcasts. Just sort of figuring that out these past couple weeks. They, yeah. they actually really help you out. And we don't really have any. The so those would be you appreciated. Have, the higher up you are when people search for Destiny Podcasts. Yeah, it's stupid. But, I mean, you know, you guys just take a minute. We'd appreciate it. And we we will actually like we I I obsessively check I don't know if you obsessively check I check like every other day, uh, so just know it is being read it is being appreciated and it is being taken into consideration. One of our uh, lesser lesser reviews uh, said how we didn't really seem like we wanted to be here, and I feel like I personally uh, purple you were really you weren't here when we first got that review, but I personally really took it to be like be more in it be more into the podcast try to be more um engaged engaged thank you uh to really seem like i, I do want to be here because i do it was just 
it was like episode two where it was sort of like we didn't really know who we were yet we were still sort of like is this how yeah. we do it is this how you talk the podcast the microphone okay let's, let's figure it out so i hope that we did better uh but jay where can we find you Oh, sure. Um, but before I said that, I was just going to say, yeah, like as a host of a podcast, it is hard to like yeah. get into the podcast. It, like, even though it might just be a conversation, it's still pretty tough. Yeah. For my episode two, I had Say No to Rage on. So we were had to and we were still like new to each other. So it was still tough, but it was just a lot of pressure on me because I'm the host. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's just that. But um, yeah, you guys can find me on Destiny Tracker. I do articles for them. I manage their Twitch channel, so we're gonna be doing a lot of Twitch streams soon. Um, I host their podcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, live on Twitch.tv/DestinyTrack. And yeah, that's where you can find me. You can find me also on Twitter at MLG underscore Gaming 2015. Yes, I know. I need to change that name. I don't know what I was thinking when I created that. <laughs> But, um, just a yeah. year ago <laughs> yeah it was yep it was a year ago so yeah all right then uh purple where can we find you you can find me on twitter at purple camera and you can read my summaries on ishtower-collective.net not the focus of this podcast by the no. way <laughs> since mike's not here i will uh say you can find him at mythos mike on twitter uh he still works for planet destiny i think i'm I'm honestly not sure he he used to write lore more uh consistently for planetdestiny.com i think he still sort of does just not frequently um sorry i'm not him i don't know his his life uh but you can (laughs) find me at a non-pig on twitter i stream um <clears throat> I stream uh, 26 9 uh, five days a week on uh, www.google.com. And uh, <laughs> you will be able to find me on the RNG podcast uh, this week, uh, technically a couple days ago. So go back in time and watch it uh, live. You'll get to see my face. I will be demonstrating on the video version. I will be demonstrating the proper way to drink eggnog. It's very important that people learn that. Uh, otherwise, uh, just you know, go listen to the RNG cast. They're they're really g- holy crap long, but great podcasts. They they will they will fill your day with uh, fun stories for adults. And uh, <laughs> just wanted to say that it's not it, it's not a children's podcast by any means. Uh, not a podcast to play out of a speaker at work definitely headphones podcast <laughs> but very very good podcast I, I enjoy them a lot i listen to them every week and i'm very excited to, to uh get to talk to them uh two days ago by the time this drops but uh yeah so sweet till next time guardians bye bye guys Kodron, the Gate Lord, is thankful that he doesn't need to see us guardians in the prison anymore because we always play the eye poking game. Bojack One is most thankful for auto rifles. Despite being bad now, they will always have his heart, especially Grim Citizen Three. 
Cabal are red, taken are blue, and my love of auto rifles is well documented. Poetry? Poetry. An ode to auto rifles. Insect Shelf 3 is thankful for the community. He says he's met a lot of really great people on this game. Blister Nile from the RNG cast is thankful for the entire RNG revolution, especially my brothers, Des Raven and businessman DRP. Seth Kincaid is excited to give back. They linked up with a brand new player and get to help them out this week. Mount says, I'm thankful for a game that inspires us and provides us with so many opportunities. Destiny has provided us with new interests and hobbies we may have otherwise never explored. It's provided with some real and relevant business opportunities, and it's opened the doors for relationships with people we'd have otherwise never known. I love interacting with the community. Some I know personally, some I don't. Some live on the other side of the world. Some I've come to consider real friends. I'm thankful for the opportunities Destiny has given me as a real per- person. And as Purple Chimera might say, I'm thankful for you. Moriarty86 is thankful for the mystery and beauty of the complex lore. Martin DK is thankful for the third-party apps like Ishtar Commander and Destiny Item Manager, and especially the people that spend their time creating those for us. Double A Ron says, I'm thankful for Il Resto and Dad Gamers clans. Great guys that are always there in game and out of game. The Blind Clown is thankful for meeting this wonderful woman and hearing her yell in Crucible. Love her a bunch. Can be a dick, but still thankful anyways, lol. Justin Giver says, I'm thankful for the members of my clan. Without them, I would have abandoned Destiny altogether. I continue to play as a way of interacting and continuing a relationship with these people I call friends now. Leo is thankful for his clan. Year one Shadow Price, Flame Sparrow, Old Guard Shader, Year One Patience and Time, Icebreaker, and Frosty's Boots. Zebra862 is thankful for this community. The Baron is thankful for communities like that of Real Time Sloth and Log Power Slave, two friends over at the Destiny Down Under podcast who also stream, as well as Nobody Just Brad, aka Toaster. Brainkale305 is thankful for the team that was kind enough to get him Outbreak Prime and help him do it. Natastrophe is thankful that they never have to run around farming materials again. Me too. Rob Stover 86 is thankful for their brother-in-law, Nadelron8, telling them about Destiny and getting them addicted to it. Project Ramen says, I'm thankful for year one, one of my best gaming experiences ever. I don't believe it can ever be replicated. The Wandering is thankful for beating the raids for the first time and says, so much fucking joy. Oddish43 says, he's glad for 1,800, possibly more, hours of entertainment. And I'm glad that even though I can see the writing on the wall, for now, I can still play the game despite my semi-obsolete console. Bicklebore Bing says, I'm thankful that I'm able to play a game for over two years and still have fun with it. I Dribble is thankful for the streamers. They still enjoy watching them, but not as much as playing the game anymore. Um, and if you're listening to this, find a clan, make some friends, and um, that's what will keep you coming back. That's definitely why I keep going back playing with my friends. And Iron Lord says, I'm thankful for all those people who helped me raid. 
I added y'all as friends, but still, thanks. A thankful bomb says they're thankful for awesome peeps who broke their backs to take me flawless in year one with no mic. You are the real MVPs I'll never forget. The great Nike is thankful for all the dregs letting him use them as target practice. Fighter96864 is thankful for all the frabdress people they've met. The Lucky 7 says, I'm thankful. The thing I'm thankful for is being able to experience vanilla destiny. Now that they think about it, that was an amazing time. Kind of wish I could go back. Blaster Master is thankful for raids. They hated destiny until they raided. Fire Skull 9 is thankful for the ability to kill themselves endlessly. Me too. I die a lot. I'm really glad that there's no way to, there are no penalty for dying, pretty much. Inverted Control is thankful for Varric's weekly package after rank 3, all the etheric light that RN Jesus drops. Uh, the soundtracks, gunplay, chilled and skilled raid guides, Trials of Osiris gold bounty, and the fact that we can still get winged sun armor. Mayhem, private matches, even though I don't use them. Updated Queen's Wrath with armor. Chasing Infinity's return. The last week of all three challenges on King's Fall. How easy it is to stock up in co on coins and moats, faction donations, package choices. Barbecue Express says, I'm thankful for my fire team and clan. I met them during a King's Fall run back in year two. I was the sixth person on their run, and, I, and being that I listened and knew the raid, they friended me and we've been raiding ever since. We've grown to be a good friends as well to where when some stuff went on in real life, we'd mail each other assistance replacement controllers and headsets mainly. They've even helped me through a difficult situation that I'm currently going through. My right hip is dead and I'm going through hip replacement surgery soon and they cons consoled me when I got the news. We even play other games together now. So in all, I'm really thankful for them. So all Peacemaker, Xavier, Dragus, Power Rangers, Mr. Teradia, Mookin, Goat, Blizz, Sheep, and Block. Thank you. Well, that's a really sweet story. Luscious Cookies is thankful for the friends they've made here. Fuhrer Panda says they're thankful for some for something to pass the time with. I've made so many friends and memories playing, and I think Destiny has turned out into a great game. I had rarely played any FPS game before this, so there was a lot of great introduction to this game of genre, and I can't wait to see what is yet to come for Destiny. Solar Cerberus says, Destiny has been my go-to wind down and stress relief for the most part since late 2014. A good combination of sci-fi, RPG, and FPS. Prior to Destiny, online FPS didn't interest me, mainly due to them being the same shit for years on end. Burning Viper says they're thankful for soundtracks, more, more specifically the song Bow to No One. Love it. The Taken King has a fantastic soundtrack. I agree, Burning Viper. The Taken King ha does have an awesome soundtrack. This whole game has an awesome soundtrack. Revenant Spark. Thankful for making me waste four months worth of hours of my life in a good way. Super guy one two three four three four. I am thankful for there being destiny too. Hmm. 
Scorpio disc. My clanmates, the game would be boring without them. Holy deuce. I'm thankful for the game in general. I loved playing Destiny regardless of the nerfs, the buffs, or how the game has changed for better or worse since year one. I love where the game is at currently and look forward to where it's headed. I accept that there's this is going to be an ever-evolving game and I enjoy adapting to those changes. Cheers to you, Bungie. Jesus affer. I'm thankful for a game that helped introduce me to FPS games. I've always avoided them because I figured I could just never do well. I'm not great, but I still do okay. I'll never forget using Nova Bomb for the first time in the demo. That was truly an empowering moment. The first time I used Fireborn was truly cathartic because I came back and just killed everything around me. Despite its flaws, the game was fun. I don't regret buying it. Fatality144 I'm thankful that I can just play video games. Imagine how many people around the world cannot and have not experienced something so commonplace to us. It sure has evolved from where it started playing a Super Nintendo as a kid. Jolly Pizza Man. I'm grateful for the gorgeous universe Bungie has taken the time and care to create that I get to explore with some awesome people I've met since playing. Junk Food Junkie 7. Effort Eat. Legendary Hooker. I'm thankful that Bungie continues to nerf fusion rifles because they are always way too OP. Sir alone, I'm thankful for getting a Fidian aspect from a purple. Not me. I'm assuming you mean purple Engram. I didn't give it to you, although I would if I was able to. Chef Jeff, I've made most of my good gaming buddies on Destiny, so that's great. KOSSA82. 1. Thankful for the new friends I've met on LFG. 2. Thankful for the Sherpas who have helped me get s- getting me started at the beginning of year 1. 3. Thankful I was able to repay back by helping others. 4. Thankful for Bungie to creating this not perfect but still awesome game. 5. Thankful to Randall the Vandal for kicking my ass so bad that my number one goal was to grind for the Gallahorn before it was nerfed so that I can take sweet revenge. How you like them apples, Randall. I bet you're not laughing anymore, are you? Oh gosh, I don't know if I can pronounce this username. Dare Ubikentel LP. Sorry for the bad English. It's okay. I'm thankful for my awoken characters. They are that they exist in the Destiny universe that I love. I'm thankful for my Titan. I'm thankful for my Warlock and Hunter. I'm thankful for my year one experience. I'm thankful for the Destiny universe, the best game universe I have ever seen. Me too. Sage Dog Jr. Resting in shotgun heaven. All the amazing Destiny memes. Oh, and the whole game too. Tim Tam 342. Thanks for Destiny for helping me to get through some difficult times last year. Rockin' Brockin'. Purely the fact that I got Telesto after seven months of grinding for it. Randy. That I finally got the weapons I wanted after one year of trying. Waterstar. Ludmilla D. Sorry. Headseeker. Counterbalance. Handlaid stock. Braxton 7. The Memories. 
Hello Guardians, I'm Anonpig and I'll be continuing the list of things that Guardians are thankful for in Destiny. First up, Poisonous Pet 9. I'm very thankful for Bungie, who turned a rushed project into a piece of art within two years. Destiny has truly created some of the best and most memorable moments I've had in my three, <clears throat> three and a half years being a console player. No matter what people have said to me in the past about Destiny being terrible and having no story, I always have just stuck to it. It's an addictive game, and I feel like I have to keep coming back to. I really want to give a huge thanks to the artists, orchestra, and game designers that have made every second of playing Destiny worth it. Whether it be clearing a raid for the first time, Vault of Glass, or finally killing Axis after weeks and weeks of wipes because of teammates not knowing what to do. I think one of my favorite memories has to be the first Rise of Iron mission. Now I know many people don't like it, but I do simply because of the sound. The wind sound effects genuinely made me feel cold. Other reasons include seeing the Fallen have a proper introduction for a while or having little bits of dialogue from Lord Saladin telling me about the past and the devastation of him finding out Siva has broken loose again. Seriously Bungie, you have made a perfect game for me and many, many others. I hope you continue this style of good gameplay and story and wish every single one of you the best in the future. Yours sincerely, Leo. Agent Season uh, Nikov. I am thankful for there being easygoing teams on hashtag recruitment to help out with the folks like me who have never completed King's Fall Heroic, let alone Oryx Challenge. That was my destiny highlight for this year. Next is Marchesiora. Sorry if I'm bad with these names. I'm thankful that I got to enjoy the wonderful art and sounds, sound works that goes into making this game feel alive and to actually experience a more in-depth co-op play than any other game I've played. Alien Human I'm thankful for this game. No matter how much I criticize it for reasons, I love it. The experience I have had playing Destiny are just incredible. I've made real-life friends and had so many long hours spent with great people doing everything from trials to just derping around on patrols. I did a raid with the last two days with my friend for the last two days with my friends. I hadn't played with in a long time, and it just brought back so many memories of year one when everything was fresh and all new to us. I love the graphics, I love the sounds, the lore, the controls. It's just the best game I've ever played. Bungie always comes across to me like a bunch of condescending elitists, but they've never made a great game, uh, but they've made a great game, and I can't wait to see the sequel because it'll be even better. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, uh, X-Pack Resistance, I would assume that's what that's trying to say. The first thing I would be... The first thing would be that while there are times I play more, times I go away for a while, this is the only game I have continued to play playing over the course of years. Any other current game, help most of the last gen as well. Once I'm done, I never touch them again. There may be there may seem to be a lack of content more often than not, but the smooth gunplay and finding specific role in a weapon you want, it's enough to keep me going. Heidegger has a list. The clan I play with every day. They make PvP fun, strikes become interesting, and on a side note, the little bit of lore I have read is very interesting. The gunplay is amazing, and different builds keep the game fresh for me. 
Baragond says, I'm thankful for the buddies I play with in the weekends and for No Land Beyond. And of course, I appreciate Bungo. Bookworm765 says, I'm thankful for my friends who helped me come back to this game. King Unzun says, I was able to improve my speaking a lot more thanks to the LFG. I have been playing this game since July 2015, and I'm so happy I did get this game. I have met many new people and made so many new friends to regularly play with. Cut to today, and I'm in language class now, and I can't be happier. Rhinoceros says, I would have quit the game shortly after ta the Dark Below if it wasn't for my clan. I don't hold anything against them too much. They're good dudes. Shit, I'd play Animal Crossing if, it, if that's what they got into. Garun says uh, they are thankful it's not just PvP. It's training between campaigns. The darkness is so vast an enemy. I don't appreciate the breaks in lore in a lore sense, but smiley face. Texas Jedi uh, 705 says soundtrack for starters. Akiko Kamimo says I'm thankful for Axis, our savior. Jake95624 says where do I start? So many things to be thankful for. Bonding time with Destiny with my 11-year-old son, all the great graphics, sounds, landscapes, maps, armor, weapons, emblems and shaders, new content, clans in the community, playing all aspects of the game from patrols to trials. Evil Weiser says, I'm thankful for the community. I'm thankful for you too. <laughs> Zach Henning says, I'm thankful for my friend who practically carried me through King's Fall and most of the stuff when I was underleveled. Sir Donut 9 says, I'm thankful because RNG always blesses me with a god roll on almost any gun I get. Shots fired is thankful thankful for Deej. Bacon God 1010 says, I'm thankful for the hard work Bungie employees put into the release of Rise of Iron a 4 a.m. at 4 a.m. September 20th. Sure we had to wait in the world's longest lunch line, but it was worth it. Scuggy says, Crucible Nightfall um, uh, says, I am thankful for the <laughs> community. The good, the bad, all of it. I have played a lot of different games, both console and PV, PC, but this community is my favorite. Uh, King Rex, I would assume, uh, 001 says, I'm thankful for year one. Zyre Ranger says, I'm thankful for having a fun game that kept me playing for about two years. Thank you, Bungie, but I'm going to have to wait until Destiny 2 to come back. That's fine, you know, I mean, everyone has uh, their opinions, right? Rockbark21 says, I'm thankful for my clanmates, particularly the guys in our main weekly cl clan raid runs. We've been doing weekly clan raids since March, and I had a blast together. Squiz, Thought, Africa, Skill, and Aaron, you guys rock. Kseth27 I'm thankful for the designers and concept art crew for giving us glorious views, stylish gear, and hardcore enemy designs. It takes a lot of work, coding, and imagination to make a game look beautiful. Um, Ritters1984 says, I'm thankful for being a part of the clan I can raid with and being a big help with quests, etc. Winkleworth says, I'm thankful for Bungie, or thankful to Bungie for putting me in a tower one day with someone who lives five miles away. It led to our clan and good real life friends. All six of seven of us live within ten miles. That's that's really awesome. 
Uh, Scrub Prince says, I'm thankful for, for you, Anon Pig. Good to see you. That's that's really nice, Scrub Prince. Thank you. It's good, uh, good to see you, I suppose, wherever you are. Hmm. <laughs> Blade Dancer says, I'm, bl- I'm thankful for the Blade Dancer subclass, Hawkmoon, and my clan, Survivor's Light. Naptown Boston is thankful for Deej and Cosmo. Preston VMI 2010 says, I'm thankful for that I found a game that I can continue to come back to. Even in the current drought and the shotgun meta in Crucible, I still enjoy getting on and playing. A lot of that is due to the clan that I joined not too long ago. Shout out to Warlocks Can't Jump. I had one of the most fun Iron Banners ever simply because I was running six deep almost every game. It's a blast to have such good communication, and we even got stomped by teams out of randos a few times, but whatever. Project 37 says that it pleases me in such a way I refuse to acknowledge any other existence other than which is destiny. Obviously. Fox Burton 99 says I am thankful for all the people I meet along the way to help out with raids, earning certain loot, and just hang out, hang around to help you out to have fun. I'm thankful for the people at Bungie who work so hard to make Destiny a game that we can all enjoy and have fair chances in, and for putting in so much effort to make all the in-game environments look beautiful, create the sounds and appearances of real battlefields, and create characters that we all love. I'm thankful for the forums, for they are a place to ask questions, learn more, and discuss subjects with new people that have different opinions. They are a place where you can display your creations and share your knowledge with others. A place where you can find others to help you out. I'm thankful for the clans. They let you be with people who will help you through the parts of the game you can't do alone. They can help you find others who share the same passions as you. Shout out to Legends of the Pack DFP. Huh. Maybe that's a Destiny Fun Police? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but And to people... To help you learn more, whether it be about the game itself or the story behind it. Shout out to the lore seekers. I am thankful to have an enjoyable and challenging game to play when I have time. To fill my nerdy mind with knowledge of, to be inspired by, and to see how people from all over are united by one thing that they all enjoy. I'm thankful that even one little post like this can be seen by many and have the chance to influence others because Bungie cares enough to listen to what we have to say and let us speak our minds in their forums. Thank you for your time. And then my last one says, uh, The Lone King. He is thankful for late night raids when he can't sleep. For the fire teams and friends they've made along the way. Becoming hysterical, waiting for heavy cooldowns with Skolas at the door. Making me closer to my cousin. Giving me lore to explore, read, and analyze. And making a great experience. There are a lot of things to be thankful for, and in this time of all the salt, it is important to look back and remember why you're here.